Well, uh, you know, I have to say I'm pretty excited that, uh, you know, we've got this fasting guide that's out and that's released. And, uh, you know, I remember when we first started uh, Justin's journey and we were going through his nutrition. He was running through the nutrition guide and utilizing that to, to get it going. And then when we made it to his phases where we started kicking in the fasting guide, this became like probably one of his go-to. Wouldn't you say that, Justin? When you say it's your go-to, like, you know, uh, your methods. As yeah, that was, that was totally my recipe. I mean, once I started to uh, follow specific methods, you know, some of them being lean gain, some of them being warrior style, like a little bit of a hybrid of the two. Um, I just, just for me personally and, in in my body type and I really was responding well to that. And so that was something that I was excited about and I wanted to share with people. Well, guys, we just did, we just released, uh, all these programs, uh, that, uh, I think Adam's going to talk about, but we just released them all like four hours ago and we've sold some already. Yeah. Like people are already buying these programs and we're already getting, you know, awesome reviews. So, uh, so what's up, Adam? What are we doing? Are we gonna are we gonna keep it keep it going? Yeah, no, I think uh, I think we've got Doug convinced to at least run this for at least <laughs> at least a couple more. I don't think he has a choice. Yeah, I think uh, I think we've convinced him. I, I know he's not happy about the, how how cheap we went and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I mean, I, here's my thing, and I don't know if you guys are on the same page as me, but uh, my ultimate goal and vision is, and, and let's keep it real. One of the things we, we've always done in this show is we've always kept things very, very straightforward and real. At the end of the day, all this shit costs money and costs time for us. So we have to make some sort of a, a, a money for everything that's going to get produced. But at one point, if we get enough momentum, my goal is always to continue to give more and more for less and less right. and less. We give so, the ultimate bundle of everything. Yeah, well, it's, no, exactly. I mean, I, I hope that like it's it becomes a one-stop shop as far as being able to help somebody and you feel like you get right. so much great information for such a, almost like it'd be silly not to do it. You know what I'm saying? Well, you've got, you've got the MAPS Anabolic full body workout program, right? That's got the phased workouts, blueprints. It's got video demos where I'm actually breaking down exercises, um, teaching you how to do them properly, not just doing it and you watch, but I'm actually explaining things. Then you have the no BS six pack formula, which is the workout specifically for your abs. It's designed to give you a six pack. Again, it's phased workouts, got trigger sessions, video demos. Then there's the nutrition survival guide, which by the way, Version 2, updated version, will be coming out, uh, which you'll get for free uh, by enrolling in this package. So you get version 1, but you get version 2 uh, as soon as it comes out for free. Then we have the intermittent fasting or the fasting survival guide, which talks about fasting. This, All of these things together was were like, 200. Doug was going to try and sell them like 248 bucks or something ridiculous yeah. like that. 97 bucks. It's a steal. Well, That's it. Let, let me describe it like this, okay? All these things, think of think of having like... The most badass trainers, wherever you live, curate everything for you, right? Everything from like how to get lean and shredded and strong, doing that with exercises, but also with nutrition. And then on top of that, imagine if they're the most handsome trainers you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> Absolutely. You've got trainers that are awesome. And handsome. Well, I mean, it's a crazy. Think, it's a crazy think about all the hours and time that it's taken just to, to develop everything we've done. Everything from man hours to like the developing it and putting it together to where it's actually very nice and professional. And think of that, and then think of what we charge for one hour of our time to tr personal train somebody and to be able. To it's give, more than that. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I'm saying is yeah. to be able to give all this information for a, a price that's even less than what a single hour would be. And I couldn't. There's no way I could cover 
one of those. Like, so if I was just going over the MAPS anabolic program, it would take me more than an hour just to explain the entire program. Just to what, talk about yeah, it. Yeah, just to talk about it, explain it, much less all the other programs that are coming with it. It's like, dude, that's... Well, look here. 97 bucks is less than a lot of people spend on supplements. And I'll tell you something right now. There isn't a $97 supplement out there that will give you even close to what you're going to get with this. Yeah. Don't buy then, any supplements. And do this. Just do this. And then you have, uh, you know, we broke it down for students who have uh, issues, you know, uh, spending, you know, investing 97 up front. So we give them an option to pay three payments of 43 bucks, which is like a gym membership fee for three months. That's it. Lifetime access to our private forum. Where, which, by the way, I don't want to interrupt you, which yeah. I am. <laughs> I, I I just think this is important. Do. I think this is important to know because everybody's like, "Oh, okay, that's cool. You get a guy for the, oh, that's cool." I I don't I don't know how many people now have told me that the price that the bundle costs is is worth just the forum access. Oh, we just we're to, on there answering questions. Just to be on a yeah. community of all these uh, people going through the program and have access to us personally, to where we can communicate back and forth and answer questions. That in itself is valuable. So it's we always like, oh yeah, and oh by the way, you get this forum for free. But that the value of that is ridiculous. And, and and one thing we do very very well, especially Justin, he puts his mouth. Where his money is. So oh. you thought I was going to say was, something else. Oh, yeah. I was he puts his to. mouth when his money is. And so literally, <laughs> you enroll in this program and you try it for a month. If in that month, I'm telling you right now, this is, this is my word. If this program isn't the best thing you've ever seen, if you're not like, this is, if you don't look at it and say to yourself, this is worth way more than I invested, then return it. We'll give you your money back. That's a 30 day money back guarantee, which um, is unheard of for this kind of value. You go to mindpumpradio.com. You click on the big yellow button. It shows you everything. It breaks it down for you. Enroll now before the shit goes away because I'm telling you right now, Doug's itching to take the shit away like he did last time. And I either, he's either itching because of that or because of that, uh, uh, because of herpes. One of those yeah. two things <laughs> is because I thought him. it was crabs. Or, or both. Crabs. Yeah. Both of them. His herpes have crabs. Yeah. Uh, uh, mindpumpradio.com. Big yellow button. Do it. Enroll. If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. Welcome back to Mind Pump. This is the only podcast in the world that has won four Emmys, two Tonys, a Pulitzer Prize, and a Nobel Peace Prize. Oh, shit. Wow. Bro. I'm most impressed with the Tonys. We won all that shit. Because we're so awesome, and we never lie except for right now. I just made all that shit up. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, I have to say that. That would have been so cool because it sounds realistic. Like if you listen to the show and I said all that, you're probably thinking to yourself, "Oh yeah, of course, of Did course, they? of yeah. course they want to pull." It I through. could see that. I could see that. And so I have to make sure I tell it's the just audience. A matter of time. I have to make sure to tell the audience we're a new show. We did not win all those awards. I was totally lying at that time. Yeah. Uh, Q and A. Who are you here with? Mm-hmm. I'm here with myself. Who are you here? I'm, just <laughs> I'm here with Adam Schaefer, woo, woo. Justin Andrews, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Douglas Eggy. Yes, sir. Uh, question and answer time, guys. Q and A. I love these. These are these are my. This is one of my favorite things for us. They require the least amount of prep. <laughs> which is which like is, we prep, which is like zero. That's why it's, it's uh, funny it's because easier. It's funny because we don't prep at all for anything. 
And then this requires even less than that. So yeah, it requires Doug to write the questions on the whiteboard. Yeah, God <laughs> damn, Doug. I it, imagine it's kind of like Tosh point right? Where he gets all his content from the internet, and then it's just like, hey, let's roll a show. Do you think they do that? I, I was curious about that. Do you think that uh, like Tosh and uh, what's the other one now? Ridiculousness with uh, yeah. Do you think they 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 let those guys go free freestyle? Where they like say, well, okay, they they obviously have a staff that that drums up all this content. Of course. Right? So then they probably pre- present. It to them, oh yeah, that's cool. Oh, that's stupid. And then they just spin off a little like skit to to go off of that. So I'm well, curious. But he does it. He's brilliant with well, it. Well, spontaneity, you can hear it. Yeah, you know, you can hear like like if we sat and actually planned a lot, I don't think we'd sound as. Good. No, we know. would we'd be too formulaic. Well, and I think I I just think I don't know if it's the the generations now or what, and just with with social media and the connectability that the abilities that we have that we didn't have twenty years ago. Now there's this this new before you wanted to be entertained, right? Like, and whether it was real or not real, it didn't matter as much. Where now I feel like people are always in search of the, the, the more real, the more realistic. I mean, look at even reality, even reality, which a lot of that is fake bullshit, you know, is that why people are drawn to that is it's closer to reality for them than uh, a show that was scripted and written. Right. Of course. And this is the reason why we don't prep. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's because we're not because we're lazy. Not because we're lazy and we don't we don't and because we're disorganized. It's because we do it to make the show better. Right. It's for it's part. You. It's part of the the chemistry. It's for you. Yes. Yeah. We all have really good chemistry. We do. Oh yeah. And it smells great. So too. let's kick this Woo! off. What do we start with? Um, right, last time you went from so, bottom to top, top to bottom. We're gonna start in the middle and go around. What are you gonna do here? Uh, we'll yeah. start with the first one because I think this is gonna be a quick one. Okay. This is from Andre underscore Drog. Uh, his question is. So he's questioning Adam. Uh, he was, first, he gives Adam a compliment uh, on the fullness of his pecs. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much, sir. You've got very nice full breastuses. Yeah, Can I just say like that was... Very milk producing. I think we've talked before on one of our podcasts that that was, that was one of my weak weak points, big time. Uh-huh. Strength-wise, or did it, you just didn't have a lot of muscle Both. there? <laughs> really? Both strength and I had no chest. I had like a, one of those concave chests as a kid growing up. Like, In fact, I remember my two buddies that we used to work out in their garage when we first started. We used, they used to have the, the penny the penny and the pencil test. You know, They could squeeze their chest together and yeah. hold like a penny. Can you put on your lipstick like that? Yeah, I couldn't do, I couldn't <laughs> do that, dude. So oh, okay. they always teased me and made fun of me, and I couldn't, I couldn't even put up the bar back then. So uh, chest was definitely uh, something I, I struggled with for yeah. a long time. You've got nice pectorals and a, now. A, a, a lot of that, before we get into completely answering this question, personally, um, a lot of it was biomechanics. Now, and I, I find this... Yeah, because his question was, after he gave you a compliment, was, you know, what it, you know what order of work exercises or what's your technique for getting around full chest? So, uh, the myths that are out there... Are, you I'm know, work my lower part. Yeah, exactly. Work my Tar- targeting more in the armpit spe- specific parts of, yeah. of a muscle. Um, you, you, we can't. First of all, we can't isolate a muscle. Period. Uh, our bodies work synergistically, and on their and multiple muscles are working. Uh, antagonist and protagonist in every movement simultaneously. So, yes, it's impossible. So it's impossible to isolate a muscle. It's even more impossible to isolate a part of a muscle. So when when the pectoris major is being flexed and, and contracted and working, the entire thing is being worked, no matter uh, what plane you are in. Now, does it target more areas, or do, you know, does, does is there more stress? put in different areas by different exercises? Absolutely. And should your workouts vary because of that? Absolutely. Um, but if I could if I could like uh, go back and say what was one of the biggest difference makers for, for me on on my chest size and growth, there's there's been multiple things. And one of those 
was definitely uh, just really focusing on my biomechanics, especially with chess. So uh, we do everything in the, our, our front, in our front, right? Nobody uh, walks around and does anything with their hands behind their back. You don't drive that way. You drive in front of you, drive everything in the, the sagittal plane, right? So uh, because of that, uh, it tends to uh, people have what's called upper cross syndrome. You, you have naturally rounded forward shoulders just because we do everything in front of us. So when you think about all the hours in the day that you're brushing your teeth, reaching you're driving, forward, reaching forward yeah, um, it's it's going to it's going to curve and round the body that way naturally. So we actually have to do work inside the gym to work against that in order to have this neutral spine alignment. And why I'm getting into all this and starting to sound like Sal right now a little bit, and I try not to do that, is that... <laughs> God forbid. Is, yeah, right? I, I, I wouldn't want people to start thinking I'm intelligent or anything. So what, what you have to do is you have to... Uh, you have to have your shoulders in a retracted position in order to truly fully engage the chest. Otherwise, uh, a lot of your deltoid has to do a lot of the work through the range of motion. And so um, learning to get yourself into that fully retracted position to put a a lot of the focus on the chest. And a lot of people don't realize that 60% of working out is actually mental. So having that mind-muscle connection of really learning to fire that muscle while you're performing an exercise versus what happens to a lot of us, especially when we're young guys trying to de- develop our physique is, you know, like I was a victim of this is, you know, my answer was just to keep increasing weight or, you know, hey, let's do a wide grip to a close grip. And my biomechanics on both of those were not ideal. So I would be better off focusing on my biomechanics on one of those movements and and actually learning to engage the chest more and perform the exercise uh, more properly and I'll get more benefits as far as chest gains than me doing all these crazy variations improperly. Does well, that make sense? Yeah, two things I want to touch on what you just said. So, number one, here's a little quick tip if you want to know uh, if you're trying to figure out if you can isolate a part of a muscle, you have to look at the two uh, points of attachment. So, a muscle will attach Origin in, yeah, in two general areas because as it contracts, it pulls those two areas together, right? So, a bicep's an easy one to think of when it contracts. It brings my hand up closer to my shoulder. Well, with the pecs, bring the top of your arm more towards the, min- the, the midline of your body. They call it horizontal adduction. Uh, the chest has a long... If you look at your sternum, your chest attaches along the, 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 the sternum and up into the, the clavicle. So, theoretically, you can work more upper and lower chests with certain exercises. Now, you can't do this with, say, a bicep where the attachments are so close to each other that it's it, it doesn't matter. I can move my hands in different positions. I'm not going to work the outer and the inner bicep that much more to, to cause significant difference. But with chest, theoretically you can because it's got that big attachment down the sternum. But the second thing I want to talk... So this, this has to do with all muscles. But the second thing I want to talk about, he talked about retracting the shoulder, shoulder girdle. So in layman's terms, that means pinching your shoulder blades back and then doing your chest press exercises. Some of the best form you'll ever learn mm-hmm. for chest exercises are from strength athletes, powerlifters. Because powerlifters, and I, I don't, I'm not well, you talking about lengthen first. Well, I'm not talking about um, assisted lifters with uh, you know the bench shirts and stuff like that. Look at the lifters that do raw competitions. Mm-hmm. They maximize their biomechanics to lift as much weight as possible. And the way you do that is when you're on a bench. You have an arch in your lower back. That doesn't mean your butt is off the bench. That mm-hmm. means your lower back is not on the bench. You don't want your lower back flat. If you flatten your lower back, it throws your shoulder forward and you get your, you round your shoulders. And like what Adam was saying, you, you use more delts. But worse than that, you actually put your, your shoulder joint 
in a position that can lead to impingement, um, to lead to issues with your chromioclavicular joint. You get lots of shoulder problems. So you want to pinch your shoulder blades back and down. You want your sh- your lower back arch, but your butt your butt on the bench. That's the position you bench from. And you also here's another thing. You also want to use your legs to drive into the floor, not mm-hmm. lift your hips, mm-hmm. but you want to activate your legs because this activates your central nervous system a little better, and you'll actually get a better you'll get a better contraction right. in the prime movers. And for those people who are trying to understand what I'm talking about, if you were to grip something and squeeze it as hard as you could, but relax the rest of your body at the same time, you wouldn't be able to squeeze it as hard as if you tensed up your whole body. As a matter of fact, this happens naturally. The best example that's like uh, gymnastics, right? Mm -hmm. So doing like a simple movement, but they have like that that ability to really contract their entire body at one given moment of time. And so that's that that force strength Mm -hmm. that they can tap into neuromuscularly. Definitely. And then when it it comes to chest exercises, what works best for you? We have general exercises that tend to you know work best however individual variances are huge okay so i know some people who you know when they bench press they don't get they just don't get very much in their chest um so they have to they're better off with dumbbells or with an incline so you're gonna have to kind of you know figure sometimes you need to work on your you you know you need to work on strengthening your rhomboids you need to get that balance correct right so get that retraction we discussed this one time uh And I think it was online on podcast. I'm not sure. But there was a study that was done recently that I thought was uh, very interesting. We talked about it uh, regarding glutes, but this it's it's uh, it's uh, works here also in the fact that um, it's important to note what Sal was just saying about variation, of course, is important. Varying your workouts, um, but also and no one will know better than yourself what exercises you feel your chest activated the most at. And everyone will be uniquely different. Some people do a, a flat bench press and get this amazing pump from it because they, they do. They have they can actually activate the chest. They can they can stack it heavier than anything else they do. Uh, some people uh, need to be on like a fly machine where it's, uh, which is typically, uh, like Sal said too, is the adduction of the humerus and the horizontal plane is technically what a chest fly is on like a pec deck machine or whatever. So that, that movement is the ideal movement for uh, the pectoris major as far as uh, getting as close to isolation as possible. Um, so some people need to do an exercise like that in order to feel it. So learning what exercises you activate your chest the most is definitely something that should be incorporated in that. And then honestly, uh, one of the things I, I was going to say that made a big difference in my chest uh, gains uh, is is volume, you know, is just getting back to volume. If it's a, if it's a, a lagging body part for you, yeah, work it more. It should be it should be addressed that way, and that's typically how um, I, I I attack every. I mean, I used to have, and it's I love it. I love picking a weakness on my body and then try, is busting my ass to develop it as a strength. Uh, I, I remember when I the first time uh, somebody had made a comment. It was actually a, a female bodybuilder, and I was about twenty three years old. And I asked her to uh, assess my physique, like what did I need to work on? And um, you know, she totally tore, tore tore my shoulders apart. She said I have weak ass shoulders, and you know, and I and back then I used to always relate my shoulders to my arms. I had great arms, you know, because I had a big buys and tries. But I had like this sloping look. I just had all buys and tries. Like my buys and tries over dominated my deltoids. 
And it like, it, it broke my heart in a sense, but then it also changed the way I trained them, you know? And at that time I used to always throw, I used to, my attitude was this as a trainer. Oh, I'm doing chest. So I'm getting a little front delt work. So I'll do a little bit more shoulder stuff and then call that shoulders and try shoulders and chest that day. Or, Oh, I was doing back and I got a lot of rear delt work cause I'm doing back. And so I'd throw a little bit of extra. And that's how I treated my shoulders was they get touched a little bit with where, when it became a, uh, an emphasis for me, it became that there would be an entire workout that was dedicated to my shoulders. And then in addition to that, I would still add in these other days where I'd be touching. So I basically, I'm just increasing the volume dramatically. And, you know, Sal talks to this a lot about uh, the difference between recovery and adaptation. And, you know, all I'm teaching my body is adapt to a lot more volume and it will grow and it will, it'll show change. So when you have a weak area, you know, and when you, you people talk about the, the shape of something like the roundness of somebody the flatter the squareness of a chest like some guys have those blocky square chests somebody have the yeah. some have those cupped looking you know chests like just that that part is a, a lot of that's genetic the way someone's just their genetic makeup but you know we can all create a better chest a fuller chest you know a larger muscle and and quite frankly the best thing you could possibly do number one work on form and technique to increase uh, increase your 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 volume and then completely uh, continue to vary your workouts. You know, um, you, you asked a question about why grip, close grip, absolutely do it all. You know what I'm saying? Do not neglect, but do not be fooled that there is a, a single one exercise that's going to help develop the roundness in, in your chest. Beautiful. Uh, next question. By the way, you sounded really smart. <sighs> Fuck. And you were I saying I did, No, I did not Are mean you taking to... those pills? I, <laughs> yeah, no, he hasn't even tried them. Uh, no, no, dude, no, I'm not. Uh, so um, I'm about to give you credit there. All right, so the next question is from the Sean P22. This is a good question. When, as entrepreneurs, because we're all self-employed entrepreneurs and we have been for a while, when did we get that aha moment, you know, where we decided like, okay, I need to do this. I need to work for myself. Oh, wow. So I can start. Um, I, I started my first, well, I mean, I had my first business, you know, when I was a kid and I was like 14, I'd mow lawns and stuff. But when I, when I really legitimately had my first business, I was 22. And um, the aha moment for me it's tough to say because I've always known that I was going to work for myself. I, I could never look into the future and think to myself I would be working for a corporation or a company. I've always thought like I had to have my own thing. So uh, it's a, it's really a tough thing. I don't know. It might be different. I don't know when we ask the other guys. Oh, yeah. Mine's different for sure. See what theirs is. But yeah. for me, it was like I, I've always known I was going to do my own thing. It, it just never – I was never um, – motivated by working for someone else uh i did a good job when i did and i always like to 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 perform but when i would think about my future I was always doing my own thing and so I, I didn't have a fear of you know the 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 risks involved with doing it that kind of stuff kind of turns me on or the fact that i wouldn't make any money at all for a while because as an entrepreneur you, you you tend to make shit when you first start off and those of us that succeed tend to just drive through it Whereas other people are like, oh my God, I got to go get a job because I can't handle not making X amount of dollars. So um, yeah, that's that's kind of my story. I just decided I wanted to do it and I thought about all the difficulties and the, the challenges and they did scare me, but at the same time, they turned me on. So I did it. How about, how about you, Big J? Super um, J, J? Yeah, for me... Um I guess after after uh, college, I had really no idea what I was going to do as far as uh, career goes. I knew that I liked, um, you know, I liked working out. I liked training. I liked 
um, business. And uh, so I I was actually thinking I was going to get into some kind of a business job. Um, and so I actually started out trying to get into sports marketing and, and that was the direction I was going to start going. And I just didn't like it because it was very, very corporate and there was all these um, structures in place that were like... Yeah, we don't like rules. I just don't like it. And I, yeah, I've never liked the rules and uh, I've never did well um, having having a very um, linear path for me to follow. Um, and so I went, I, I got into training in the corporate world and then... Um, you know, I excelled and I, I, I made, you know, best of it and, uh, went even like when I was a a bartender or like a server, like I got to a point where I would always get up to about that management spot. Right. And, uh, I, I just found out that I was the best and most efficient at what I was doing. And I just got frustrated with whatever, how everybody else did it. And I'm like, I just got tired of, of like, trying to understand what was going on in these other people's minds and why they weren't working as hard as me. And so I just, uh, from that aspect, and then the same thing happened when I was in training, I got up to that management spot and I'm like, okay, um, why, why aren't people doing this? This is part of the job. Um, I just don't understand it because it's a job I, I take seriously. A job is a job and you know, I'm going to work my ass off. Um, and then I just realized, I'm like, look, I'm very good at what I'm doing. I don't know what the hell you're doing, but I would do great by myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's like, hey, I'm out of here. I'm doing it myself. And then boom, it was like so eye-opening. It was like, oh my God, I am determining my own fate. I am I'm kicking ass and it's all mine. Right. You know, I don't have to give this away to somebody else. You know, I mean, obviously it's 10 times harder uh, because marketing is another huge piece that you have to learn and you got to learn quickly because otherwise you're not going to make money. And I feel like that that added bit of pressure, though, has always helped me to exceed and, and to help uh, get to where I want to be. So I feel like, yeah, my my aha moment. And that's the other thing, too, is like Adam talks a lot about like, you know, being having this leadership mentality and always like kind of growing up with that. Well, for me, it's always been, you know, there's different types of leadership. And for me, leadership is is leading by example. And so I've always taken that. Uh, by the rain, like, hey, look at me! I'm going to do this to, to the best of my ability. And either you see, you know, I set that example. If you're not going to meet that example, you know, you're going to fall behind. And you know, it's either you you come onto my ship or you you jump off. That's it. Hardcore. Yeah. What What about you, Adam? So I went through. Uh, <clears throat> Justin and I shared a little bit of stuff in common here. I'm probably more like Justin than Sal. Um, but I I. Uh, I mean, my first uh, bit of money or check I ever received was was entrepreneur. So I started even at 15 years old. My first business was, uh, you know, mowing lawns. And we've talked. I don't want to go into all the things I've done. So I've done a ton of stuff. Now I always did it, <clears throat> not because I had like this back then had this huge passion for entrepreneurship. It was because. I, I I was very uh, money driven. You know, I'll just be very honest. Like I didn't have a lot of uh, nice things growing up. Um, we weren't well off whatsoever, <clears throat> and I wanted nice things. Um, I, I wanted I wanted a nice car. I wanted a, a nice house one day. I wanted nice clothes. And I and, and I knew that if I if I was going to do that, I had to take control and do it myself. And at a at a young age. You know, there's not a lot of opportunities for you to make a ton of money. So entrepreneurship was a way that I could always do something on the side or find a way to make money. And I was always very creative in that sense and, and willing to work hard. And so that's kind of how it started. But I, like I said, I was not in love with it. At this point, I didn't think it was my future. <clears throat> in fact, 
when I was uh, from 15 years old to 19 years old, I, this is when I worked at the dairy. And when I was at the ranch, uh, you know, I basically was like the right hand man there. So I was with the family that owned this dairy where they, we had dairy, we had almonds, we had chickens, we had, it was a farm and it was, it was completely uh, privately owned by them. And that was their source of income. And I watched them struggle. You know, I watched them work seven days a week. They could never take vacation. I mean, I was with this family for four years and I was turned off by entrepreneurship. And I saw that and I thought, man, and they, I mean, they didn't drive nice cars. They didn't have nice, super nice clothes. They worked their asses off to just make a living and get by. And I thought, man, that's, that looks fucking tough and rough. And I don't want to do that. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't think I want to, to, to do my own business if it means I don't ever get a time off or anything stuff like that. So I actually was really turned off by it. Fast forward a few years later. Now I'm in my twenties. I'm working for a great company. I have 401k benefits, um, six figure employee. And like, and I'm and now I'm getting this money that I enjoy. It wasn't until I got to my, and, and mind you, why I was doing this, because I've always been a very money motivated person. I, even when I worked for 24, I was making good money. I always had side businesses and projects because I, I always had a knack and I'm sure, and this is probably me still learning. So this isn't quite the aha moment yet. I'm still into entrepreneurship. I'm still doing different businesses on the side. Uh, just, but for me, it was always money motivated. It was always another source of income and I was always trying to grow my income. And so <clears throat> about 25 years old, and this is probably going to sound a little arrogant, so I apologize. But uh, I, my aha moment was when I would be in a meeting with uh, my superiors. And by superiors, I mean like my boss's boss's boss. And I had felt like I could no longer learn from this man. And he was, you know, we're, we're talking about people that were several levels above me. And I felt mm-hmm. like I was uh, as well read um, as as mature business wise. And I felt like they were holding me back. And when the moment that I felt like I couldn't grow anymore, I, I, I then felt and I still stayed around longer. So this is 25 or so. And I stuck around all the way till my late, late 20s, um, still working for a company. And, uh, you know, a part of me was dying. And I realized that um, I, I thirsted for growth and knowledge. And I realized that if I worked for somebody else, uh, I could allow that those people to, to slow me down. And although I still sought after my own books, my own knowledge, it made it difficult when I always had somebody above me that was, was holding back my strengths. And that was my aha moment. My aha moment when I was looking at somebody who was several pay grades ahead of me and thinking to myself, it could take me 10, 15 years just to get to his spot, just to know that I already know more than him. I don't want that anymore for myself. I want more. I want more and I want to be, I want to let, I want to be let free to where I can continue to grow. So that was. Beautiful. You mm-hmm. both gave me a boner. Yeah. <laughs> that was my aha. No uh, glass ceiling, man. Next question is from Thermoptic. That's a great name. Uh, thoughts on intermittent fasting and warrior diet. Hey, we just released. Hey, since you mentioned it. Yeah, we, <laughs> oh, by the way. Yeah, we just released a fasting guide. So it breaks all it breaks it all down and, and teaches you how to figure out the best way to utilize fasting. We're big fans of fasting. I do it probably more frequently than these guys do, but they both utilize it themselves. Um, if you use it the right way, it boosts growth hormone levels. You burn body fat. Uh, you utilize protein better. Tend to have more energy. Um, 
it feels good. Well, in the guide too, Justin, you discuss how we we all utilize it in different ways too, or so, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so I, I tried that. to, yeah, I tried to add in, you know, a bit of our own experience with it, um, like because we all have a variation of it, and I feel like that's that's the beauty of it. There's room for you to experiment and do self experimentation, and so. Uh, this really was like a very helpful tool for me. And so I, I'm not bullshitting you guys. This is one of the main things I use to start my cutting down my leaning phase and, uh, it, very helpful and maybe not for everybody, maybe not, but guess what? It, you never know till you experiment. So well, and we, I, we've sure. had a few people now comment on our, our page on our Instagram page. And they'll say something like, uh, oh, you know, I tried the fasting Mm -hmm. and I thought I was going to hate it and I love it. I feel great and I'm getting leaner. And it's like people are so worried that they're going to fast and feel like shit. That's it. Yeah. But it's countercultural to some degree. But for a lot of people, you don't. It's the opposite. I feel way better when I fast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Me too. And and I think that uh, what you'll enjoy about the guide is like Justin said, is that we, we all have a difference. We all take the science behind it. And we break down the science behind why it's effective and why it does work. And then we all talk about how, you know, we all have different either challenges with it or utilize it in different ways. Um, and that's the great part about it is, you know, you can read, you get to read the guide. It's not just us saying like, oh, yeah, we totally agree with warrior fasting or, oh, yeah, we totally agree with this type of fasting. It's like, right. here's the science behind all of it. This is why it works. This is what are the all the benefits. And then here's some of the challenges that you may come in, uh, come across. And these are different ways that we utilize it within uh, within our own nutrition. Diet. And I and I can guarantee that the closer that you uh, basically put to get put it together f- to mimic your own current lifestyle the more success you're going to have with it right yeah, so good point. yeah so anything that's well you know on on this day i really don't already you know eat or you know you just sort of plan it out and and look at your schedule and then um you know you optimize it and this is just another way to read through like a lot of people's uh hard work and research that uh they've you know, displayed for everybody to access. So perfect. Awesome. All right. So I think we have time for one more question. This one's a doozy. This is from our girl, Rochelle, uh, sugar sweet. Shout out Rochelle. Sugar sweet underscore and underscore fit. Question is about childhood obesity. Who is to blame? Uh, I love that. We have you guys. This is one of my, my topics I can get kind of off on a tangent about, and I have to be careful because being the single guy who has no kids, I lose always. Doesn't matter how smart I sound when I come off this way or whatever. Uh, I love having you two with children. <laughs> so it's like you guys automatically, you know, because I, I think of us as a team when we answer questions like this. So now I feel like I could say I have kids, you know. Well, <laughs> before we get into this, I, I want to just real quick squash a myth, okay? Because I know what's going to, I know some people are going to be like, oh, you know, a lot of a lot of people have uh, fat genetics, fat genes. If you go back, uh, you can Google this yourself. You can Google, you know, circus uh, fat man. You know, nineteen hundred. Okay, you'll see pictures of early. You remember those circus freaks, right? They used to have circus acts, and then they'd have what they called the freaks, and they they had the the you know the, the bearded lady and the fat you know the big fat guy, or whatever. You look at a picture of the overweight guy. That did the, was in the circus in the early 1900s. Was it like 300 pounds, that's it. The dude, could, he could walk around the streets right now and totally blend in. He wouldn't be that big of a deal. So, yes, there's genes involved with obesity, but we're talking 10, 15 pounds. We're not talking 50, 60, 80, 100 pounds. Uh, so, no, the childhood obesity epidemic is not due to genes. 
Okay. okay. Um, and so, the, so I'll start and I'll tell you okay. who's to blame straight up. And then, ooh, I'm, yeah, like, can I'm like I, chomping to, can, to I know, chime I, in here. Before we get going here, can I piggyback off a little bit longer than that too? There's something to be said about somebody, somebody who puts on a genetically that puts on body fat faster than somebody else, right? So that there, there is a difference in all of our genes. That same person, I'm willing to bet everything I have, also has an easier time building muscle, which can aid in your overall metabolism. So there's the grass is always greener on the other side. Uh, it can be, and, and that tends to, that's speculative, but that, you know, I'd love it to is, see some studies it is, on that. It is speculative, and I know that. But, but as trainers, we do realize that that tends to be the case, right? Yeah, I mean, I've, yeah. have, you ever, have you ever trained somebody who is consider themselves big bone? or heavy and then they have a hard time building yeah it's it's more they're more likely to be able to build muscle yeah, yeah. easier definitely uh i'll i'll tell you right now who's the blame it's their parents nine out of ten times if you see a an overweight kid you'll have overweight parents so you know look i got kids my kids eat what i eat that's that's just that's just the bottom line people are getting fatter parents are getting fatter their kids are going to get fatter. Guess who else is getting fatter? People's pets are getting fatter. Mm-hmm. This is a fact. Oh, yeah. There is an obesity epidemic among pets now. You ask any veterinarian. <laughs> so it's just because, look, the, the, your kids are going to eat what you eat. So if you eat shitty, your kids are going to eat shitty. So stop trying right, to It's your- a modeling thing. And, totally. and, and yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I, I agree 100%. Um, where was I going to go with that? Yeah, like, so on top of that, God, I had this like great point. Come back to me. Well, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you. It. I'll tell you something that's funny that we just uh, Katrina and I just had this topic the other day. We talked about the pets. So our English bulldogs are extremely lazy, right? But they're big dogs. They're very muscular, and so they can handle quite a bit of food. But I actually regulate my dogs the same way I would regulate myself. And she doesn't. It, it took her a while to get it. You know what I'm saying? Because oh, she would she would give me shit. She'd be like, uh, "Are you feeding the dogs tonight?" I'm like, "No, no, no. They already ate this morning." And she's like. Well, they got to eat again for tonight. I'm like, no, they literally did. I didn't get a chance to walk them today. They were in their crates all day long. They haven't fucking moved. They're fine. Okay. They'll be fine till tomorrow. Yeah. They're not going to die. They're, in fact, it, us feeding them now is just going to overfeed them and they're just going to put on body fat. So um, they can handle it till tomorrow. Here, here, Here's the thing. Okay. This is this is the point that, that might upset some people, but I feel like as, as not only as a modeling of eating the right way, but it's also creating boundaries. Okay, with which I feel like some parents out there skirt around and they don't want to offend their kid. They want to befriend their kid and be buddy buddy and not get any sort of resistance from them back. Right. So this is where, you know, you see on uh, some of these shows where kids just are humongous and, you know, maybe it's a single parent. Maybe it's like something that's like there's a tragedy of some kind, but they don't they want them to be happy. Right. So this is a real a real psychological problem because they want they want their kids so much to be happy that they want them to have whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And this is an excess thing. Right. Anytime you're giving them an excess. Now we get this, you know, obesity that's going to come as a result. We're going to get, you know, these other psychological effects from that. Um, it's just it's it's really touchy because um, everybody has their own style of discipline. Everybody has their own way of educating kids and uh, uh, fostering them, bringing them up into the world. Uh, you know, I definitely have strong opinions personally on how I raise my kids and how I want them to treat other people and how I want them to, um, you know, look at food and, and um, you know, be, be, be a good person and be a contributing person to society and have a hard work ethic. And guess what? Like hard work is just that, you know, it's hard work for parents to establish that. It's very hard work. You know, kids will resist you all the way through. And a lot of times, you know, with me personally, my kids, 
you know, they don't, they, they like, like scream and yell. And this is like one of those things that has happened, you know, constantly battling food. Like, no, you're eating this. We're all eating this as a family. And the minute I give into that, you know, it, you start over again. Right. And so it's hard. It, you know, I'm just going to throw that out there. It's very hard. Not every kid is going to be like, yeah, vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> you know, fruit. When, when you're, they're constantly bombarded with, Fruit Loops and, uh, you know, Frosted Flakes. They're going to their grandmas and they're eating cake. And you know what I'm saying? Like, you just don't, you have to realize that your control is limited. And so you give them enough, enough of an idea of what, you know, how to, how to properly eat and what's good. And then also, you know, to be somewhat loose to let them experience it themselves. Right. And like have a better outlook on it. So it's tough. It's a balance. But at the same time, it's so important that you, uh, you really establish that with your kids and, and you're on it. Well, I'm, I'm just going to put this out there, but if you're a parent and you eat shitty, but you decide you're going to make your he- your kids eat healthy, good luck. Yeah, right. right, right. It's not going to happen. So step number one is don't buy bad food. Don't even have it in your house. Right. Um, and you need your, you yourself need to eat healthy uh, because you're not going to get, you can't tell your kids to do something that you're not doing. It's like that parent that chain smokes and then tells your kids, don't smoke cigarettes, they're bad for you. Meanwhile, they're smoking cigarettes. You know, you know what the statistics on that are? Like the kids, something like five times more likely or 10 times more likely to smoke cigarettes because they grew up in a household where people smoke cigarettes. So this is a decision that you have to make. Um, with your kids and you have to you do you do got to be healthy about it you know I don't I never tell my kids don't eat that ice cream because it's going to make you fat I can I say what you're right I want to say what sounds because it's actually been one of the most impressionable things that you've ever shared um, for me and I've already passed this on and I think it's some of the best advice so I'm going to rob his thunder right here that he talks about because it's brilliant it's uh I've always thought about this too like you know hey when I because I don't have kids yet you know when I have kids what if I did get those kids what if I got those kids that like they all they saw was the McDonald's commercials and they and all their friends did that and they just constantly were hounding me how would I handle that how would I and I'm big on like communication and I I believe that I would teach my kids how to communicate properly at a very young age and 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 I wouldn't just be that parent who says no because I told you so like how would I how would I teach them and Sal has uh, his method that he utilizes that I think is, is so brilliant and so important that how you do this without giving your child a complex, which is relating food to energy and how they feel versus uh, it's going to make you fat. Yeah, it's or performance. This, yes, exactly. Right? This is going to make you fat, son, or this is going to make you skinny if you eat like this or eat like daddy if you want to look like daddy or no, like taking taking the whole uh, look and complex and completely out of it and talk about how the body will feel, you know. So and this is, you know, your dad eats like this because it makes me feel good. It makes me feel strong and energetic and, and I can run through my day and I'm I'm much smarter and I can do this. And you start utilizing words like that with your kid um, versus, you know, fat or skinny and things like that on how to, to create a complex with food versus okay i'm gonna i'm gonna educate them on how how body relates to how they feel and perform and what a what a powerful tool on explaining that and i've already utilized that with like uh, katrina's little nephew and stuff like that explaining to him it works it's extra it's extremely effective uh i'll say to them you know and and look i'm not you know i'm not freaking a food hitler you know i i we have ice cream at my house it lasts a long time because Mm -hmm. My kids, I'll let them have it maybe once a week. Yeah. Um, but when, when when they do eat it, and there's times, look, your kids will do this too, you know, when they'll eat a little ice cream, whatever, they'll be like, oh, my tummy hurts. This, I love those opportunities to educate them. And I've done this. I've taken my son 
to my computer mm-hmm. and I let me tell you, let me show you why you feel the way you do. Let me explain what happens when the body consumes too much sugar. Mm-hmm. And I show him and I say this is why your tummy hurts or this is why you're tired or this is why your sister's acting like a maniac right now. Right, right. <laughs> it's because I gave her some ice cream and now she does it. And so these are things that happen. And what ends up happening now is I'll see my kids turn shit down. Yes. We'll be at a birthday party and someone will ask my son, you know, do you want some cake and he'll say, "Well, I'll have a little bit." Yeah. And, and they'll say, well, why don't you want to have more? Well, because then I don't really feel good. And, of course, the parents look at me like, oh, you know, yeah, what are you oh, telling your kids? You're this giving-? guy. It's like, no, 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 no. No, I had the same thing. That, like what, And I know that, like, all this this time put in and, and really making sure that, um, you know, what where the priorities are. Like, my son, would he'd eat, like, cake at, at a party or something. You'd see him eat, like, two or three bites, and he's like, okay, I'm good. And then he goes back to playing, and he just leaves it, you know, and it's like, Oh, sweet. Exactly. I, I totally want because I want them to, you know, to to experience it with everybody else. Have a good time. You know, Halloween, you know, you're going to do it. Have fun as a kid. But, uh, you know, it's that whole excessiveness about it, right? Right. And, and uh, trying to eliminate that 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 mentality. It's like it's like the whole cheat meal thing. And this, I'm going to say this is probably one of the worst things I've heard uh, that that's, I guess, a common thing some parents like to do, um, you know, have a candy night uh once a week schedule and, it yeah scheduling yeah. a candy night and then like this this humongous like buffet of of candy like keep a bowl or something in the house because that's the, crazy the mentality is there that um you know well i'm gonna limit it and then i'm gonna let them you know sort of get it out of them their system that's crazy where I, meanwhile it creates this insano food complex right, right absolutely I had a client from, uh, she was from Sweden, and they actually do, uh, in Sweden, they have a day, Sunday. Sunday is like candy day, and it's actually the only day that the kids are allowed any candy at all. And she says typically, like, in their family, they would give their kid, they get, like, one piece of candy is, like, their thing on on Sunday. That's it. It's like a, it's almost, it's like a, a national thing that everybody does. I mean, obviously, there's exceptions to the rule, of course, but it's a tradition that's been long going over there that they do that. Which would probably explain, too, why they're obviously a lot healthier than what we are, you know. Well, I think two things. Every day is a candy day in the U.S. <laughs> two things. We talked about a com- we talked about complex, giving your kids a complex. Uh, a, a big, big pers- uh, part of that also is how you talk about yourself. Mm-hmm. So if you're talking, like if I'm, at, if I'm at home, like here we talk on the show and I talk about, oh, I need to get leaner, I need to get it ripped, or I'm going to gain some body fat. I don't, I try not to, as, as best as I could, use those terms about myself because then I know my children are going to They'll listen. They're going to yeah. internalize that. So I'm not going to say things like, oh, I, I feel fat. You know, I'll say that to my wife. Like, I got to be careful what I say, you know, to my wife, even about myself because I know my children are going to internalize that. Right. But that being said, I wanted to go, you know, just two minutes onto this um, in terms of, you know, if you, if you go back 50 years and you look at the size of a soda, mm-hmm. oh, look yeah. at a Coke. It's half the size of it's what, what it's what the the extra large is what a small is now. It, exactly, and so serving sizes have changed, and the government got behind a completely faulty concept of fat makes you fat. Don't eat fat, and you won't get fat, which is false. And as a result, the average American eats less fat now, but eats far more uh, refined sugar. carbohydrates and sugars. So if you're going to feed your kids. You know, and you let's say you're gonna have a few courses, and look, as an Italian, this is like sacrilege because when we eat, you know, big Italian dinner, pasta comes first. But what you should do is feed your children the fats and proteins first, and then give them the starches last, right? Because you satiate, and they're gonna be less likely to yeah. overeat the things that are gonna cause things like insulin resistance mm-hmm. as adults. And I'm gonna tell you this right now: 
if you if you look at the statistics, okay, the most dangerous thing for your child growing up is not drugs, it's not sex, it's food. So spend your time on this and make this a big deal. You wouldn't do drugs in front of your kids. Don't eat shitty food in front of your kids either because they're much more likely to die of uh, obesity-related disease, uh, long-term diseases than they are of overdosing on a drug or anything like that. And that's just a statistical fact. So make that an important thing in your life. Don't just think food is, you know, it's it, it's not a big deal. It's harmless because that's bullshit. Food is killing way more people in modern societies, especially in America, than anything else. Oh. So make that a big deal. Yeah, I, I have to piggyback off what you just said because I, I want to give somebody the analogy or a visual of um, what something like this could look like and an example of what we would probably think is okay or a good meal that you would like. Okay, spaghetti has to be like one of the go-to meals like the parents make for their kids. And it, what it normally comes with spaghetti is some garlic or French bread or what that. So you've got the French bread, you've got the pasta noodles, you've got the, the pasta sauce, and then you have probably two to four ounces of whatever you use, whether it be ground beef, turkey, or sausage, whatever you use to put as far as, and that's your dish. That is so lopsided yeah. on how that backwards. kid, so backwards on what that kid should eat. Like you're talking about loading 80% of that meal is carbohydrate, carbohydrates, and then what, maybe 10% is protein and fat? Like it's so small, it's so backward. The way that we've been taught, like when you go to a restaurant, or you go places, is so backwards. Like you have to really think outside the well, box. Carbohydrates are a lot cheaper. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly why it is it's, that. And that's what people don't that's get. That's the food pyramid in general. Is that everything is geared towards what, what we have more volume of, what's cheaper and easier, easier to do, which that doesn't necessarily mean it's what's best for your body. And mm-hmm. your, your plate should look a, a total flip. When you look at your plate, when you look down at it, you should see a very large portion of protein and fat and then a very minimal portion of carbohydrates, especially like your starchy carbs. And a large portion as of, much of veggies. veggies. Yeah, yeah. As well, much veggies, veggies as you want. Yeah. You can go to town on those. But yes, like your veggie, protein, and fat should take up 90% of your plate. And then you should have this little tiny pie of whatever pasta or whatever bread or whatever choice of carbohydrate that you're choosing to pair with that meal. But it is, you know, plates are lopsided right now. You, you know what? One thing I forget, uh, also forcing your kids to finish their plate, clean their plate, eat everything. I grew up that way. That's that comes from a time when you know, and my parents grew up that way. That came from a time when right. food was scarce, and right. if you if you don't eat everything now, you know, we don't know if we're gonna have a lot of food for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I fight that with myself. Like my kids are like, I don't, I'm not hungry. I don't want to eat anymore. Yeah, and I make sure that they don't eat shitty food instead, or because they snacked earlier. Um, but if they don't want to eat, it's like okay. Then don't. I mean, food is so abundant now. I don't need to stuff you full of food. I know that's such a crazy thing too, especially going through like fasting personally. Um, You know, you look at that and then you're like, well, they're kids and they need nutrients and, you know, they're growing and their mind's growing. And so they need nutrients. So as a parent, you look at them like, man, I need you to eat. I need you to eat. But like you said, I fight that all the time. Like, you know, no, you know, they're full, they're satisfied. You know, we as a society, we overeat all the time. Dude, my kids. It's my, crazy. They'll tell you when they're hungry. I That's mean, it. Like, they tell you. This is a point that Sal brought up before that I think was such a gr- another great point when he when he talked about how you talk about food is, to your kids is also that, hey, do not be afraid to, to not. Okay, if they're not hungry, they're not asking for it, don't feed them yet. Don't worry. In a couple hours, they'll let you know they're yeah, hungry. They're not going to starve. <laughs> yeah, 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 they're not going to starve. I had my, you know, there was a few nights um, last week where, you know, or actually it was like a, a whole week long where my kids would barely eat dinner. And so I knew it was because they'd come home from school and then they'd eat snacks and my wife would give them like some cheese and some fruit and some nuts. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, well, 
the snacks aren't bad. However, for dinner, we're having, you know, things that I think they should be eating. So I cut snacks out. So I'd pick them up from school and they'd be like, I want a snack. I'd be like, no, let's, we're going to wait till dinner. We'd have dinner a couple hours later. And of yep. course, they'd eat, lo and behold, they'd eat their whole they dinner. they get hungry because. So it's not, like, you know, yeah. it's just one of those things. Yeah. You know? It's not rocket that's science. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you're not, and you're not torching your kid, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. By, yeah, waiting for the actual meal. I know that's the other thing. Practicing patience. That's like, it. Oh. So all said and said, what? I think who's to blame? Parents, right? Yeah. It's nobody else's fault. Yeah, yeah, we also determine the market, so make it happen. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. For more information about this show and to get valuable free resources from Sal, Adam, and Justin, visit us at www.mindpumpradio.com. Until next time, this is Mind Pump.